This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Lucien Harlow Dion speaks with Stephen Rothstein, Managing Director of Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. To kick us off, uh, I'd like to start pretty broadly. Uh, for those who may be unfamiliar with Series, uh, can you give us an overview of the organization and specifically the current focus you have at Series' Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets? So Series is a nonprofit. It's been around for over 30 years, and our focus is to help the world become more sustainable. We have four main buckets of our work. Our work with investors that collectively represent about $32 trillion of assets under management, so a lot of large investors. Our work with big companies, mostly Fortune 500 companies, and help them become more sustainable, buy more green energy, use more EVs, uh, take other policy positions. Our work on in policy, both in 17 state capitals and in Washington, D.C., on a whole variety of topics, and our work with the Accelerator. Our work with the Accelerator is how do we make our capital markets, our financial system, more sustainable? And that's sustainable in a financial sense and sustainable in a climate sense. And right now, the way our capital markets are built between what the banks are doing and the insurance and investors and regulators, we're not sustainable. We have to make significant and systemic changes. Excellent. That's a really great overview. Thank you. Um, and diving a little deeper, in early April, I saw that Series released Turning Up the Heat, the Need for Urgent Action by U.S. Financial Regulators. The report comes only 10 months after your accelerator's last report. Uh, so I just wanted to ask what the impetus for the report is and why focus specifically on the regulators now. Yeah, great question. So most people, when they think about climate, don't think about agencies like the Security and Exchange Commission or the Federal Reserve. But in fact, they write the rules for the financial markets, and it makes such a big difference. So we wrote a report last summer, last June, um, and outlined 50 recommendations for many federal and state regulatory agencies. Um, at the time, there was no federal regulator in the US that said that climate was a material risk. In fact, they said just the opposite. Um, and so we had lots of meetings. Literally, I met with a thousand regulators and influencers, all virtually. Um, and then we wanted to do an update. There's been a lot of great things happening. There's obviously a new president and the people he's appointing. There is some, unfortunately, on the, on the downside, we've seen more fires, more, more floods, more, more ice storms than we've ever seen before. So there's bigger challenges. But on the other hand, we've also seen um, more people appointed and initial work. So this new report is called Turning Up the Heat. Um, and it's really two things. First, for regulators who have started to do work, they are turning up the heat, which is very important. For those that haven't, they we want to turn the heat up on them uh, so they do a better job. Because if you look around the world, uh, country after country, the countries that are leading on climate risk issues 
one of the common factors is their regulators are involved, their central bank and their securities exchange and other groups like that. So it's really important that these groups are focused and some of them are and more need to be. So true. Uh, big thanks to everybody that is turning up the heat. Um, I'd love to dive into some of the uh, steps that U.S. financial regulators can take now to address climate change if they're not. Can you talk us through the four steps and why they're so crucial to enact together as opposed to enacting separately? Um, and I'm sure you'll dive into this, but just for our listeners, these are affirm activate, integrate, and build capacity for the regulators, um, really uh, driving inclusiveness as well as um, resilience. Right. Um, so absolutely, that the first is to affirm, there is no problem that anyone's gonna focus on if they don't think it's a problem. So first is, the, and, and I had literally hundreds of conversations with regulators last summer where they said, I know climate's an issue, but it's really an issue for the environmentalists to deal with. I'm a banker, I'm a bank regulator, I'm a securities regulator, whatever. And the fact is, it is all of our issues that the banks and the insurance companies and investors have more at stake financially. So even if you, quote, didn't care about the environment, quote unquote, uh, you care about the balance sheets of the banks. We did a study last October, a separate report, that highlighted that the largest 20 banks have if you just take their syndicated loan portfolio, which is a portion of their loans, so it's a portion, and if you just take the transition risk, meaning the risk that as we go from a higher carbon to a lower carbon, more renewables, there is over half a trillion dollars, that's with a T, half a trillion dollars of risk on these big banks' balance sheets. So just compare the 0708 subprime housing when our country faced enormous challenges, to put it mildly. Um, there, the risk was a lot smaller than what we know today about the uh, financial markets. So first is to affirm, and, and on November 5th, the chairman of the Federal Reserve said that climate was a material risk. Since then, others have done the same. So then the next step is to do research. Um, if you're a big, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of smart people at all these agencies, but if they haven't had somebody focused on climate risk, so in several of the agencies now, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, the SEC, the Federal Reserve, they've hired climate specialists. Um, so, do you, and then some have done research conferences or call for papers uh, as part of that. So it is uh, saying it's a problem, starting to research it, assigning people to work on this, but then there is a set of steps and these vary by agency uh, in the activation. And the, for example, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. So for them, it's a question of reporting. We believe there needs to be mandatory climate risk disclosure. We have in our country financial risk disclosure, meaning public companies have to file certain reports, 10Ks, 10Qs, other financial information at the Securities and Exchange Commission, but they don't have to do climate disclosure. So there could be a big risk on their balance sheet, a big risk because they're in a location that's by a fire or a potential flood, that they're in an industry, an oil industry. You know, the oil industry last year, in the first nine months, wrote off $145 billion 
meaning they're not going to get it paid back because there was uh, drills and pipes and pipelines and, and other things, pumps that they won't they, they won't use. So that means that the $145 billion that insurance companies will, will take a hit, banks will take a hit, loans, investors. So it's important to understand that. So activation is for the SEC to have mandatory climate disclosures, because fundamentally, we can't manage a problem if we can't measure a problem. And the only way to measure is to have a constant way to look at that. There, there are different ways to activate each of the agencies and then to integrate and coordinate. There are other people working on this. There are international bodies. It's important that, and, and again, so I, I appreciate that some of our agencies have done this in the last three or four months to join with their international colleagues or even state colleagues. Like it, you're in, um, I don't know if you physically are, but bar in New York, the New York regulator, the DFS, the Department of Financial Services, they regulate banks and insurance companies. They're a real leader in this work. So it's important to coordinate with other state and federal and international leaders. Absolutely, well put, thank you. Um, and so going into uh, the regulators, the, the SEC has recently put out a call for comments to inform their consideration of overseeing climate disclosures. And you were speaking a little to that. Assuming this process moves forward and results in a strong floor of required climate disclosures to serve the financial sector, do you think that this action by the SEC will help drive action from other regulators uh, mentioned in the report that have not yet affirmed climate change as a systemic risk? Uh, first, thank you for that question. It's so important. I appreciate your, your insights. Um, it is absolutely critical that people look at this. The Security and Exchange Commission, as you said, they have a notice of inquiry now. So they want people's comments. They're anytime between now and June 14th. And the question about what do you think about mandatory disclosure? So I would encourage all of your listeners to send a letter to the SEC encouraging them to support mandatory climate risk disclosure. Um, Ceres has a sample letter that they could sign on. So you could, we can give my email later on if they want to look at it or do it on their own. There's nothing more important. Again, going back to the issue, you can't manage a problem if you can't measure a problem. So why is it important? Let me give you an example internationally before I answer your question about the other regulators. The French Central Bank, um, they started a climate disclosure process in 2016. So they're ahead of us, um, as lots in Europe is on many things, unfortunately for us. Um, we lost four years. That uh, They came back and looked at that in 2020. And over that four years, because of, and it didn't cover all the market, but it covered certain investors, certain financial institutions, that there was 40% reduction 40% reduction in loans to fossil fuel company because of disclosure. That's a 23 billion euro reduction. That's 23 billion euros that weren't loaned to fossil fuel companies because of disclosure. Because they, they said, you know, once we had to disclose it, disclose it, it highlighted it. Investors started asking questions. Boards of the directors started asking questions. Staffed it. So disclosure is very, very important. 
Will it hope? Uh, uh, will it trigger other agencies? I hope it will. The the there are uh, unfortunately in the U.S. or fortunately, depending on your view, that we have many many regulatory agencies. Every state has a securities regulator, a bank regulator, insurance regulators. Some states like New York, they're combined. Then at the federal level, there are depending how you count them, 15 or 20 different agencies. And some are very broad, like the SEC. Some are very specific. Like there is one agency, they do important work, but they cover when a city and town borrows money uh, for a new road or a sewer system or a school, municipal debt, it's called the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board. They just do that area. Uh, and so we hope there is greater disclosure across all agencies in the government. Excellent. And and speaking of government, um, what is your view of the commitment from Washington currently to enact these changes um, and ensure regulatory action and compliance? And if there's not enough um, direct interaction with the regulators, what could we see from the executive or the legislative bodies? So as you know well, <coughs> There are three types of work the government can do. There's executive work that the president can do by himself. There is regulatory work that the, the regulatory agencies, and then there's legislative work. Unfortunately, it is hard to get something big and bold through Congress right now because of the divisions there. Um, so most of the work that I'm focusing on, on, on the financial markets are, are thinking about what can be done through executive order and what can be done through regulation. And I give President Biden and Vice President Harris enormous credit, enormous credit. I mean, they've only been in office 100 days, but they've already taken some big steps. And we're just beginning. Um, President Biden talks about climate as a job creator, and he's ab absolutely right. But it's also, if we don't do it, it's going to cost people's jobs. For example, you know, last year, we had 10 times the acres burned that we had out west than the year before, 10 times. We had 30 named hurricanes, more than we've had in many, many years. We had fires, we had floods, we had the ice storms in Texas. So there is great risk for the financial sector and the markets overall because of these factors. There are also great risks uh, for a variety of other things. One example is uh, migration that is projected, and there are lots of studies that show this, that if we do not address climate um, in the coming years, in the coming uh, few decades, from the US alone, not other, not other countries, but to the US alone, there will be tens of millions of climate migrants, people who live in an area they won't be able to live anymore, either because of hurricanes or fires or floods or other things like that. So that's gonna cost a lot. So that I give the government, the, the administration, lots of credit, what they're doing on executive order. On the regulatory side, the regulatory agencies are moving. From my perspective, not fast enough, but they're moving. On the legislative, unfortunately, our government's not doing it yet. We really hope that they can come together. And, and there can, I mean, you know, the EPA was established by Republican President Richard Nixon. Um, and you think about re Republicans, they often consider themselves conservatives. Well, that's based on conservation of our environment. Um, and if you care about our financial system, you care about banks surviving, you have to look at these. It is a systemic issue. So 
I am optimistic, but uh, the other part of it is we don't have a lot of time. Um, and climate's one of those areas that if you win slowly, you've lost. I'm so glad you brung up the fact that this is not partisan. Um, this really is all of our work. Um, tying this back to the accelerator and, and your work, uh, I'd love to know what action has resulted from the report thus far? You mentioned uh, the Federal Reserve coming out. Um, is there anything you can share that's either in the works or um, somebody who's responded that you have worked very positively with recently? Uh, yes, yeah, so we're very fortunate. And um, if we were to go through all of them, the podcast would have to be extended uh, quite long. But in summary, so from the report we did last summer, um, we identified there were 50 recommendations and some cut across agencies. Um, so since then, we have counted, we, we have a tracker. There are 52 actions regulators have taken in support of our, of our recommendations. I don't want to say it's just because of us. It's not just because of us. It's a team effort. But we have 52 specific things, for example, um, hiring staff at three agencies. The, the Federal Reserve has set up two committees to deal with this. The Commodity Future Trading Commission has set up a committee to deal with it. They've joined international partners, different, the SEC, the Federal Reserve, and other agencies. The, what the New York Commissioner has done, the California Insurance Commissioner, Washington. So there are a number of groups that have done work. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, they deal with mortgages about half of the mortgages through go through their related entities. Um, and so they, we just responded to them with a 52 page document on some of the risk for mortgages and they've done some things. So yes, there are some good things happening. And the, I think about it in a sports analogy, last year, the regulators were on the bench. They weren't, now they're getting in the field. Now we got to play the game. And we got to bring the ball down the yard line or whatever analogy you want to use. And we only have a little bit of time to do this. So is that action what's on the horizon for the accelerator or are you, do you have anything lined up that's pushing even further? Um, so we have a lot, any social change goes through three phases. It goes through education, then activation, than implementation. So last summer, we were in the education phase. I'm oversimplifying, it depends on the regulator, but uh, we're regularly saying, should we do this? Is it our job, et cetera? Now most are saying, oh, it's absolutely our job. We need to do it. How do we do it? So we're talking to the administration, not every day, but clearly every week about different things. Today, we just had a conversation with Gina McCarthy uh, president's climate advisor on, on areas. So it's going deeper in the agencies, um, working with them. So it's not a statement of should you deal with climate, but how do you deal with it? Um, we also have a broad initiative with investors. Uh, just, uh, just recently we announced that asset um, managers, big companies like BlackRock, State Street, Wellington, uh, 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 others uh, collectively representing $37 trillion of assets have agreed to be net zero by 2050, meaning shift their portfolio. Those are big numbers. Put in perspective, that is 40%, 40% of 
four, four zero, 40 percent of the assets under management worldwide have now committed to do that. A year ago, that was zero percent. So moving investors, moving banks, the six largest banks that we work with have all said they'd be net zero by 2050, but now they have to get more specific, more detailed. Um, so it's work with regulators, work with banks, work with insurance and investors, and each one we have to make it real, immediate, and, and science-based. Those are awe-inspiring numbers. Um, so thank you for sharing those with us. Um, and as my final question, uh, we are students at MBA, uh, the MBA in Sustainability at Bard. Um, I would love to know what advice you have for any student seeking to enter this fast evolving field of ESG and sustainable finance. So first to you and your colleagues and all the students, thank you. Um, we, my generation um, messed things up a lot. Um, we need smart, young, optimistic, bright people to help us get out of the mess that we're in. So it's the more people who get into this and it's, it is what people do in their homes and recycle and solar, but it also needs specialists. So you need smart people. So what you're doing is so important. I, I think what I would say is to specialize, either specialize in an area of finance, you know, uh, the accountants are not doing enough in this area. I could go on for, but it, it, it you know, they are, they're certifying companies uh, financial stability, but there is a big risk there. It would be like if someone were to say today, I'm going to, I'm going to measure the risk, but I'm not going to think about the pandemic. Well, that's crazy. Of course, that's a risk. Everyone think about it. Well, we know more about climate risk today than we know about cybersecurity that we know about cryptocurrency, that we know about pandemics, but it's not built in. So under, that, that specializing, whether it be in, a, in, a, in an industry, whether that be coal or steel or manufacturing or agriculture, whatever it might be, specializing in how to measure that there'll be enormous demand for people who understand how to measure carbon risk, climate risk, methane, et cetera, uh, or, having a sustainability lens in whatever you do. If you're in the marketing, what does it look like? If you're in the accounting, if you're in general management. So your work is so important. The only thing I'd say is hurry up. We need you tomorrow. Thank you so much. That's a very inspiring uh, answer to end on. Thank you for your time, Stephen. It's been a pleasure speaking with you uh, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you. We appreciate our loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot to your Instagram account and tag Impact Report Podcast. Learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode by visiting series.org slash our dash work slash accelerator. The Impact Report is taking a break for the summer. New episodes go live starting in September. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? 
check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career in sustainability. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, fashion, circular economy, and more about how they launched their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industry. Visit gps.bard.edu slash resources today.